I sipped the strows and stared at the roller in the aluminum pan. The door to the hall and both windows in the office were open, but the breezeless May afternoon still sealed in the paint smell. I was wearing a red T-shirt and the khaki shorts I had wine-stained the week before. The edge of the desk was hot on my rear end, the clear plastic drop cloth squeaking each time I squirmed to get comfortable. The landlord had said a two-year lease would be four hundred a month, three eighty if I painted it myself. My former apartment office had been burned out, and I decided the time had come to have one of each. I turned my head and took in the view of the Boston Common, our answer to Central Park, that had hooked me on this place for the office part. At my corner of the common is the Park Street subway station, a human kaleidoscope. In the early morning you get the rush-hour crowd, lawyers and bankers in two-piece suits, secretaries in half-salary outfits. In late morning come teachers and parent assistants leading field trips of fourth graders, lunchboxes clanking and name tags fluttering. At midday, young management trainees and salespeople picnic on the grass with sausage sandwiches, fresh fruit or salads bought from wagoned vendors. At all hours, the Hare Krishna's chant, the past prime folk singers strum, the bullhorn evangelists exhort. Only the winos are quiet, lying on their sides like half-opened human jackknives. All in all, a view that could keep you sane, at least by comparison. I swallowed another mouthful of the strows and wondered for the hundredth time what fire brood means. I looked up at the half-painted walls and down again at the roller and pan. I finished the beer, flexed my rolling arm, and went back to work. Good to see a man with a trade. A deep, familiar voice from the doorway. You the guy from the lettering company? I said without turning. I've decided on John Francis Cuddy, Confidential Investigations. He snorted a laugh, wrapping a knuckle on the lavatory glass section of the door. Maybe you'd do better to leave Avery Stein, tax preparer, up here. I laid the roller back into the pan and gestured toward the Lil Oscar cooler on the desk. Have a beer, Lieutenant? No, thanks. Murphy came slowly into the room, careful of his clothes around the shiny walls. Shorter and heavier than I am, Murphy was the first black lieutenant detective on the force, appointed when an otherwise bigoted city councilor mistook surname for race. I pulled a drop cloth from one of the chairs I had bid on at a liquidator's auction. Sit. He lightly touched the arm, seat, and back for wet spots, then settled in. This is a pretty nice setup. Thank you. Murphy fidgeted a bit. I hadn't known him long, but I'd never seen him ill at ease before. Can I help you with something, Lieutenant? He frowned, rested his elbow on the chair arm, and bothered his teeth with an index finger. I don't like asking favors, he said. I thought back a few months. I figure I owe you one. The shotgun thing. Yeah. I guess you're right, but I still don't like asking.
I shrugged. We waited. Murphy made up his mind. A woman I dated a long time ago. Her son is in deep shit, and I wanted you to check it out. As in, get him out? Or maybe just confirm that he belongs there. In the deep shit? Yeah. What's the situation? The name William Daniels mean anything to you? Yes, I said, but I don't place it. About three weeks ago, young Black shoots his white girlfriend, then confesses to their therapy group. The kid under hypnosis? That's right. I thought back to the television reports. The arraignment, Massachusetts allowing cameras in the courtroom for some years now. Daniels, a college student, his mother's holding back tears. The dead girl's father, sitting stoically. His wife, back home under sedation. Ironically, the father was a TV station manager who had fought for coverage of court proceedings. I remember some of it, I said. Daniels had the gun on him, right? The therapy witnesses say he reached into his pocket and laid it on his lap. Papers said ballistics made it as the murder weapon. I thought back again. The shooting was out in Calum? Uh-huh. Meaning Middlesex County. Right. Not your jurisdiction. Murphy cleared his throat. Right again. But you must have official contacts out there. Yeah, and if I got contacts there, why do I need to drag in a P.I. to tell me what I can find out myself? That's what I was wondering. Murphy leaned forward, elbows on knees, hands working a little on each other. How many black cops you think work, Calum? Maybe one? That's right, a rookie patrolman. Two, if you count a uniformed dispatcher. So, if you call out there, it looks like professional big-city black cop checking up on small-town white cops? To see if they're roading a black defendant through their white suburban system. Murphy sat back, not quite relaxed. He must have a lawyer by now, I said. Private, but he used to be a mass defender. Meaning an attorney from the Massachusetts Defenders Committee the old name for the Commonwealth's public defender system. I'd have to start with him. Start with the mother instead. She approves of you, she'll tell William, and he'll okay it with the lawyer. You know the kid? Met him once in a supermarket, maybe ten years ago. I didn't ask the follow-up question, but Murphy answered it for me. Yeah, I think he did it, but I want Willa to think so, too. Will is his mother? Right. You have her address and telephone? He pulled a folded paper from inside his coat and handed it to me. Willa Daniels, home and work. Robert J. Murphy, home and work. Thanks, Cuddy, said Murphy, rising. Lieutenant? Yeah. Why me? Why you? Yeah. I can't be the only private detective you know. Cuddy, you're the only white private detective I know who owes me a favor. I hate asking for favors. I hate owing them even more. He slammed Avery Stein, tax preparer, on the way out.